What's happening, Becca? Still got your nose in the books? <laughs> yeah, I do. Still got your nose in the computer, Yeah, Neil? still tipexing the screen. <laughs> yeah, I think we should stop that. <laughs> I don't think IT are very happy. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to lately? I have been correcting mistakes by pressing the delete button now, now, <laughs> now that I'm actually up to speed with how the internet works. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, I've been doing a few things. I've been editing some books. I've been planning a trip to Iceland and San Francisco. Pretty exciting stuff. But mostly I've been I've been chatting with Georgia. So Georgia is another travel editor. She sits next to yes, me. Yes, I know Georgia. But she was in South Africa recently and she got the chance while she was there to hang out with this group called the Black Mambas, this majority female anti-poaching group. And yeah, she got to hang out with them, see what their daily life is like, get some tips on what to do if, if there are some lions nearby or some aggressive musky elephants and you need to get out of the way sharpish. Wow. Yeah. Kruger was the first national park in South Africa, and it's also the biggest. Um, it's about the size of Wales. If you drove every single road in the park, so every tar road, every dirt road, every accessible piece of road there, and you could see in 100 metres on either side, you'd only see about 2% of it. Usually the only way that you can get around is by driving yourself or going with a guide who drives you around. Um, and a bushwalk is really the only way that you can get out of the car and have a look yourself and kind of get the sights and the sounds and the smells and that kind of thing. We did one from Satara, which is an area that's known for big cats. We were kind of walking along in single file behind uh, this armed guide who's got this massive, really old-fashioned rifle. <coughs> And uh, we had a moment where just in front of us we had these lions roaring. It sounded really close. They said that, uh, you know, their voices carry, uh, but it sounded like it was right in front of us. And just as we were kind of kind of giggling about how scary this was, the, the, the call was answered by more lions even closer behind us. <laughs> So it's a big park, but you went specifically to visit one group. Could you tell me a little bit about who they are and what they do? Yeah, so I, I went to meet an anti-poaching unit and they're based in Baluli um, Reserve, which this is complicated, but it's part of Greater Kruger. So you've got Baluli Reserve and you've got the Kruger National Park and they both fall under the Greater Kruger umbrella. I went to um, see the poaching unit and they are an majority female poaching unit which is really unusual they were the first in South Africa to do that they've got um, I think it's 31 women and one lonely man and yeah um, they're called the black mambas uh, and I'm not sure if you know but that's the most dangerous snake in Africa they don't believe in having a gun on them mm -hmm. so they're kind of going around looking for poachers all they've got are handcuffs and pepper spray can you describe for me kind of how you get there, what that's like, sort of set the scene for me? So we we went to Oliphants West, which is a region of the Baluli Park. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the sort of Mambas are headquartered. And uh, Charlie, uh, she's brilliant. She comes kind of rocking up in a really kind of rickety Land Rover. She's really tall, uh, really blonde, and she's wearing like a full camo suit. Basically, what we started as uh, in 2013 um, was with six mambas, uh, all female. 
um, rural women in the community. They don't take on the approach to shoot to kill. They work strictly on education. Uh, they don't walk around with weapons. They've got pepper spray and a walkie-talkie with them, and that has proven to be quite successful. What happens if you actually spot a poacher, though? Are they going to go against them, or do you no, call them? No, 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 definitely not. They are just meant to observe, observe. So their job is to move, remove themselves from that situation, um, but also, of course, report it to the relevant people. So you're on a nice, smooth tarmac road there, then? Not quite. Uh, actually, the opposite. It was so bumpy. Um, so Charlie had banned us from driving ourselves there um, because she said our car was too pretty. Was it? Uh, well, yeah, we got upgraded. Mm-hmm. It was a really nice Audi. And we were like, oh, great. That's exactly what you want when you're going to spend two weeks going down dirt roads. Um, so, yeah, she banned us from doing that. And we headed off in her massive Land Rover instead. Excellent. So Charlie was talking there about gender relations can you let us know a little bit about what gender relations are like in that area? Um, my impression was that, uh, you know, outside of the black members, the boundaries are really clearly defined. So um, a lot of them have got married quite young. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got lots of kids. And uh, so when they're not spending 21 days on the reserve doing the anti-poaching patrols, they go home and spend 10 days and just look after the kids. Um, and I think in South Africa generally... You don't really see any female rangers. I mean, I think I saw one the entire time I was in Kruger and uh, that's, that was a real stop and stare moment. <laughs> so how was the poaching viewed locally? Did you get a, a sense of that? I mean, generally, I'd say the people in those communities see the animals as a way to get quick cash or food. Mm. And I think that's what the black members are trying to do. They're trying to convince people that actually you need to look after these these animals because um, they're actually providing jobs for you. You've got, you know, tour companies and you could go and work in Kruger and, and that kind of thing. So the black members are going into the communities as role models and saying, look at me, you don't have to kill those animals. You could help save them instead and still make that money. You said that people are looking for quick money or food. How does that work? Is it, are there different types of poaching so uh, there are two types of poachers Uh, you've got the ones that you hear about in the news the ones that are kind of hunting the big game uh, hunting rhinos and elephants they're going out with guns Uh, they usually go in at night and and just shoot them and you've also got bushmeat poachers and they are primarily from the local communities and they're pretty much just doing it for food Mm. Um, so they'll come in and set snares which are sort of lasso like traps um and they will um, suffocate impalas and things like that. It's usually quite a slow death. Oh. But the thing is, um, they elephants and things like that can still get trapped in them, but they're not big enough to kill them. So what happens is um, you've just got this thing going tighter and tighter around their leg or their neck or something, and um, you know it can lead to infections and amputations and oh, all kinds of nasty things, yeah. Is there tension there, having the members alongside the poachers within the same community? No, I didn't get that impression. I mean, I asked that a few times because I, I thought it would be weird. So uh, do the members live in communities with poachers then? Are they kind of actively influencing? Yes. Yeah. You know, um, it's quite scary, actually. I mean, I also asked the members the one day, I'm like, well, you're not scared to go into the community. And they're like, for what do we need to be scared? These are our people. These are our people. They know we won't harm them because they know that the community and the chief are behind them. And when you've got the whole community behind you, you're going to suffer if you try and kind of mess with the mambas type thing, you know, which is great. I feel it's, 
it's really, really, really great that the chief of the community is just as involved. Brilliant, yeah. You know, the poaching's only going to get worse. It is only going to get worse, and it's going to become more and more tricky. So I do believe introducing the Mamba initiative into different sections of the country would be very, very beneficial. Very. And ladies are also more, they are more observant in the bush, we've noticed. Um, and they've also got more of that motherly instinct towards each other, taking care of each other, which has also proven to be very successful. Ultimately, we need more of that, less, less egos and more standing together, definitely. Charlie was driving us in a massive Land Rover um, along a dirt road, and we're on the way to see a group of mambas, um, so three of them, and they, they are what she called her star mambas, and I was really excited to meet them. You just need to pull this one and then that one at the same time and then okay. it will open. <laughs> I, I'm getting, I'm trying to get out the car door. We've reached uh, where they live. So I, I make it out and uh, in front of me I've got a kind of single storey stone house and there's a woman there um, in a sort of pink dress and she's just sat next to a plastic table and chairs. And you could also see that she was really heavily pregnant at the time. So I was really shocked to hear that she wasn't going on her maternity leave. Um, you know, she's, she's not going on patrol because the other members told her, no, you need to stop now. Uh, and instead she was kind of keeping the camp clean and, and that kind of thing. I'm cute. I'm Georgia from Rough Guys. There's a, a massive pile of rusty snares, and um, I get over to cute, and she's just she's just great. You know, she's got um, sort of really tightly done cornrows, and she looks the business. And she um, told me a bit about what the members do. I think is my job to save those the rhinos because if we don't do this job, later there will be no more animals in the bush. And this is for our next generation to see those animals and for our economy because I don't think people from overseas can visit us here in South Africa only to see us as a human being. They are interested in those wildlife. If people keep on poaching those animals, there will be no job. So do you, do you live in the reserve or do you live in a nearby community? I live here in the reserve while I'm on duty and while I'm off duty I go home. And what, what's that like? What does the community think about you being a black member? At first they were afraid because uh, later on we thought that this job is for only for men. But we proved them wrong that even a woman can do this job. As like we are the mothers, we know how to take care of our children so we can take care of those animals. So you don't find that the animals are a problem when you're out patrolling, that kind of thing? No, I've been trained that if a lion wants to attack you, you must... Stand still, it is afraid. So if you stand still, it say, why this woman stand still like this? It's not afraid of me, so then it will move away. Oh, one day we were on a patrol, and then I was tired, and then I sit in the shade next to the dam. Then the lion was coming to drink the water in the dam. Then <laughs> I just hear some footsteps on my back. When I stand and look at it, I find that it was a female lion coming to me, it's just roar and move. I was shaken that day, but uh, that day I, t I told myself that if if I, this lion didn't kill me here, I'm going to resign, I'm going back home. When I come back and then stay here, I realized that no, if I quit this job, who will do this job? I think those animals need us here in the bush. 
So what do you do when you see a poacher? Because it must be quite scary, you know, seeing a bunch of guys in, in there with guns and, and that kind of thing. Uh, like here, uh, rhino poaching, we just saw their tracks if they've already passed. Because as a black mamas, we are not armed. If we saw that tracks coming into our reserve, we just report and then they they call some someone who they are armed. Mm, the only poachers which you come across with is the meat poachers, people who are coming here to push some impalas, giraffe and etc. for the meat. Oh, we're not scared of them because they don't carry guns. Maybe they will only have a knife. And us as the black members, when we go on patrol, we carry some paper, spray and handcuffs to protect ourselves if someone wants to fight too. Why don't you believe in, in killing like all the other anti-poaching groups out there? Like, yeah, as a woman, we don't want to see like children growing up without fathers, mothers, because they are killed here in their reserve. That's why we are protecting them. So like chasing people away from the reserve because we know that if we, they found them here, they'll be killed. So I think it's a good idea. What, what's the reason that the black members are majority female? I think like we are showing the women's power. Like we are proving to men that even a woman can do this job. Do you find that you're more respected now that you're a black member? Yes, I'm more respected because even there are so many at our village, they are afraid of the bush. They respect me because of this job. Yeah, I think you're pretty much the bravest person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> are the poachers the main danger that these women are facing when they're out on patrol? No, definitely not, actually. Um, I, I got the impression that they don't really see poachers that often anymore. You know, snares, they don't see that much or they've cut it by 99%, I think it was. Wow. Um, so the real danger that they face every single day is the wildlife that they're trying to protect. Um, <laughs> That's gratitude for you. Yeah, so Baluli, it's a Big Five reserve. And some people might not know this, but the Big Five were actually named the Big Five for being the most dangerous animals that you can come across. As we're going through, they were telling me about their tactics. Mm -hmm. So um, if you see a lion, you don't run um, because it kind of triggers its predatory instincts and you're told to just kind of stand there and look big and maybe swear at it. I don't know <laughs> if that works. Uh, I never had to try it. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have the courage to just tell a lion to F off or anything. I just, I, I would run. Well, I did use, <laughs> I used these tactics actually in Kruger. Um, we went on a walking patrol and uh, we, we were kind of faced by two hyenas who were literally like an arm's length away looking at us. And I was like, right, OK, stand there, look vicious. I mean, I know you guys can't see Georgia, but she's utterly terrifying, of course. Yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, they left me alone. They, they walked off those hyenas. And I imagine that some of the black members have had kind of higher stakes encounters. So yeah, um, I was talking to a second black member who arrived shortly after I finished chatting to Cute. She was called Nkateko. Mm, yeah, we used to come across with the lions. And she yeah. was just telling me about the really bad luck they have with lions. So last I was nearly dead, killing by the lions. It was so scary. Even this year, early February, there was a giraffe at the other side of the fence. So the giraffe, because you know the giraffe is too long, they used to see things that is far than us, because we are human beings, too short, not longer than the giraffe. 
When we keep moving, the giraffe comes towards us by the fence line, then walking with us, it's like they're patrolling with us. So I used to say, hey, giraffe, why you wanted to go with us on patrol? You won't be tired. Okay, thank you. Let us carry on with our patrol. When we stop, the giraffe stop. When we keep moving, they just keep moving. I say, I want. You sent by people to come and do this to us. I, I was saying some strong language to that giraffe because I was scared why they are doing this. Then when we reached, it was a river bend somewhere there. We are still, the giraffe goes straight to us, the last warning for the giraffe. Keep towards us and then they stop. Immediately they stop, they run away. Oh, thank you, giraffe. Bye-bye. Go well. I, I was not aware that they are seeing something in front of us. When I went, keep moving two steps, three steps. We saw the lion roaring. It's like the, the, the lion give us some warning, but just because we're making some noise of that giraffe, we never listen to that sound. Because lion, when they saw people or they saw something, they used to keep the sound that please don't come towards me as I'm here. It's my place. The power that I, that I get at the first place when I grabbed you, God gave me that power to grab Colin and I ran. It was a river bend. When we ran, the lion came towards, but was not chasing. It's like they are moving towards us, but going slow, slow, but slow. Then we ran. When we go somewhere next to this place, but somewhere by the fence line, we saw the elephant. I say, yee, where are we going to pass? Because at the back, there was a lion. In front is an elephant. What are we going to do? Then I grab here. Yeah, we used to go by that side. Then we ride towards here. And then when we reach here, yee. I said, mm mm. I'm resigning this job. <laughs> I'm resigning. So um, she's the driver of the unit. She's also the sergeant. And uh, it's kind of her responsibility to look after everyone. And it just seems like she really has a hard time doing it. Cute, heavily pregnant or otherwise, just grabbing her and running. Yeah, and she seems to have got her priorities in order. You know, there was another story um, where she was surrounded by lions. And the first thing she said to the other black mambas was, guys, if the lions get me, who's going to drive the car? So really look after me here. I'm very important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm on board. I like that. Uh, did you have any other kind of run-ins with wildlife while you were there with the Black Mambas or by yourself? Uh, not with the Black Mambas. They do a really good job of looking after people. Keeping I think. you safe. Yep, yep. Um, but I had a few incidents in Kruger. Um, so it was the last day and we're kind of rushing to get to the gate uh, to make our flight in time. And, you know, we were doing all right, we were making good time, and we just get to a really unexpected roadblock. And you've got a lot of kind of South Africans in their really hardcore pickup trucks in front of us. And I couldn't see what was going on or why they'd stopped. And usually you don't really get these kinds of blocks. Um, and then out of nowhere on the right, um, these two just absolutely massive male elephants <laughs> come and have like a full-blown Godzilla battle in the middle of the road. Oh, my God. And I'm right in front, like right there. It's just in front of the bumper of my Audi and my life is flashing before my eyes. We were kind of just left there, clutching the wheel, shaking, wondering what the hell had happened. Everyone's going around us because it's just another day in South Africa for them. They <laughs> just carry on, you know. <laughs> Obviously, the black members are there for a reason, because poaching is a problem in Kruger and in pretty much every national park in South Africa. Um, 
Did you get any information from the people you met there about why poaching happens in the first place, why it's a problem in the region? Yeah, so I, I asked Charlie this actually on the way there and um, she explained it really well and she told me a bit about the underlying problems in the region and, and what kinds of things people are doing there. Let's look at it like this. You've lived, you and your family have lived in this area for hundreds of years. The next minute people come and put up fences and now the animals are limited, they have to be culled and all sorts of things. And the next minute a gentleman or a lady, whoever it may be, comes up to you and says to you, hey listen buddy, I will give you 50,000 rand for a rhino horn, for every rhino horn you bring me. Me, as a rural person, I'm gonna definitely take that money. I've got five kids to raise, put through school. We can barely make it through the month with food and things like that. So they get tricked into taking more than what they should and then they become greedy because, I mean, it's quick cash. They know these reserves better than anybody. Um, they know animal behaviors better than anybody because they grew up in these bushes. And that's the other problem. There's been so many arrests made, but hardly any of them go to court. So what's the actual point then of arresting, you know? Um, we're just letting the criminals go off with a slap on their wrist, basically. And it's sad. There's been police officers that have been arrested with rhino horn in the, the bonnets of their car. In their police car? In their police vehicle, yes. In the bonnet. Um, there's been government officials involved in poaching, funding poaching. You know, so then you kind of have to sit back and think to yourself, who are we actually fighting? Who, who is the actual problem? Because our currency is hand-in-hand hand linked with rhino poaching, hand-in-hand. Hand. So it sounds like it's kind of an endemic issue then. I, I really hope that the Black Mambas are able to kind of help with this problem. Yeah, so um, poaching is actually a lot worse than you hear in the news, I think. Um, so between 2007 and 2014, uh, it increased 9,000%. Whoa, in, in Kruger in South Africa? In or? South Africa, yeah, That's generally. insane. Rhino poaching. Um, and that was just over the course of seven years. And um, in 2017, over a thousand rhinos were poached. Whoa. And people are kind of celebrating that and saying, oh, well, at least it's down from the previous years. But, but that's still over a thousand rhinos. Yeah, and that's still about three rhinos a day. And do you feel like the black mammoths are having a positive effect in this particular region? Yeah, I think they are. I mean, not just for the rhinos, but for all the wildlife. Um, you know, they, they're kind of influencing people by being role models, kind of discouraging them from going into the park and killing the rhinos in the first place. And they're also removing the snares that are trapping the lions and the smaller animals and, and that kind of thing. Well, I really hope that they're able to continue that good work and maybe roll it out elsewhere in future. Yeah, fingers crossed. It sounds like you had an incredible trip. It's just the most exciting, amazing experience. And I really recommend it. And I think everyone should go to Kruger. It really is my happy place. Thank you to our producer Alana from Reduce Listening. Thank you to Agnieszka from Rough Guides. And of course, thank you to Georgia for slightly sacrificing her holiday to South Africa for the podcast. 
Thanks to Amy from Transfrontier Africa and to Charlie for showing her around. And of course, the biggest thank you of all to all of the Black Mambas who spoke with Georgia on this trip and massive congratulations to Q for her incredibly cute baby boy who we think was not born in the bush. <laughs> <laughs>